Last year, the EV market grew by around 55%. Introducing a new technology is always an expensive aspect. Currently, the most significant funding needs are in the upstream segment. I'm Tom Parker, and welcome to the Next 5 podcast, brought to you by the FT Partner Studio. In this series, we ask industry experts about how their world will change in the next five years and the impact it will have on our day-to-day. In this episode, we take a deep dive into the current electric vehicle landscape and tackle the future for EVs from industry leaders in the legacy and pure EV space as they highlight the opportunities and challenges along the way. Electric vehicles, also known as EVs, are already displacing 1.5 million barrels of oil usage per day, or 3% of total road fuel demand. However, emissions from vehicles are still responsible for between 12 and 16% of global emissions. But now, imagine a world where there are no ice, internal combustion engine cars on the road. That's the future that is needed if we are to hit net zero targets. To realize this by mid-century, annual EV sales must hit 138 million units by 2040, a huge increase on the 10 million sold in 2022. Boston Consulting Group predicts that by 2028, Light battery electric vehicles, or BEVs, will outstrip global sales of ICE vehicles and by 2035 account for 59% of light vehicles sold worldwide. The global EV market has been growing at a very rapid pace over the last few years. This is Mike Whittington, Head of Global Sales and Network at Polestar. In fact, last year, the EV market grew by around 55%, so quite a considerable growth. And some of the projections for the end of this year are around about 14 million vehicles of pure battery electric vehicles, so significant growth in the market. So the growth is definitely there, and it's driven by greater choice of products, investment in charging infrastructure, and of course, climate aspirations that both private consumers and companies have in terms of how we address the climate challenges around the world, and also supported by fiscal incentives that many markets have put in place for electric vehicles. And overall, I'd say there's a growing awareness of the environmental benefits of electric vehicles. And for Polestar, we're a young brand, we're a new brand. We've seen rapid growth over the last few years. We've now got around about 120,000 cars on the road across 27 markets. So we're growing at a rapid pace, as is the market. Building the EV value chain comes at a cost, a multi-trillion dollar one. Access to public equity markets is challenging for most, and so private investment holds the key in charging the EV market to its full potential, a $53 trillion market opportunity between now and 2050. The EV value chain is indeed a vast space encompassing a mix of uh, traditional automotive players, prominent industry giants, and emerging new players within the ecosystem. This is Adrian Chai, Managing Director, Institutional Banking Group at DBS Bank. The electrification trend is translating into a multi-trillion investment opportunity across the entire EV value chain. Now, currently, the most significant funding needs are in the upstream segment, primarily due to the shift in powertrain technologies. New powertrains and drive trains account for about 43% of the overall cost of an EV making this a crucial area for investment. 
Looking further upstream into the EV metals and intermediate products that go into battery manufacturing results in even greater funding requirement. Another critical area where substantial funding is needed to support the accelerated adoptions of EVs is in the charging infrastructure space. The cumulative investments in charging infrastructure is projected to reach around $150 billion by 2025 and exceed $1 trillion by 2040. Larger players in the industries such as traditional car makers or OEMs and major EV battery manufacturers can access funding relatively easily through existing cash flows, debt financing, public markets, ECAs or export credit agencies, banks and equity capital markets. For these established companies, obtaining funding is generally not a significant issue. However, the actual funding gap lies in three broad categories. Firstly, Emerging new suppliers. Smaller EV battery manufacturers and suppliers of intermediate products for batteries such as cathode makers and precursor separators often face challenges in accessing sufficient funding due to their relatively smaller scale and limited cash flow. Secondly, pure play EV OEMs. New EV manufacturers result advantage of legacy cash flows or economies of scales require significant capital investment, making it difficult for them to secure adequate funding. Thirdly, standalone charging infrastructure and mobility companies. Companies focusing solely on building charging infrastructure and mobility solutions often require longer gestation periods and economies of scales to become financially viable, posing funding challenges in the early stages of their operations. These are the key areas where funding gaps currently exist in the dynamic and fast-evolving EV industry. Legacy automakers face a two-fold challenge a decline in ICE vehicle demand, and the need to adapt to the electrified future at the pace most governments and consumers are demanding. Focusing on EVs is expensive for legacy car makers. Ford Motor Company announced in March 2023 that it expects to make a $3 billion pre-tax loss in its EV unit, but it isn't stopping traditional car makers from investing in the sector. Toyota, the world's largest automaker, is investing $35 billion into pure EVs, launching 30 models by 2030 with the aim to sell 3.5 million BEVs annually by the same date. So investment is an absolutely critical element. This is Praz Ganesh, Executive Vice President and CISO at Toyota's Asia Head Office. Essentially, because this is about the time when we have to look at changing a lot of the overall business model itself. When we start talking about electrified vehicles, this is not just about making the vehicle, but it's also about changing a lot of the supply chain, changing a lot of how the dealer network operates, all of these kind of elements. In 2021, we announced that we would invest around 8 trillion yen or around $70 billion in electrification, half of that about $35 billion in battery electric vehicles, and around $35 billion in terms of the other space of other electrified vehicles, including hybrid electric or plug-in hybrid electric vehicles as well. So we have made quite a huge investment uh, in terms of electrification as well. So I think when we start talking about any new technology, introducing a new technology is always an expensive aspect. We need to ensure that we are able to first invest on the technology, make sure that the technology gets to the point where it's safe, where it's appropriate for the customers, where it actually meets the customer's requirements. And then we can start scaling it. And as we continue to scale, we will find economic merit. So in that context, even if we're looking at electric vehicles and the investments required for electric vehicles, we 
believe that this is one of the critical pathways that we have to work on towards carbon neutrality. So we have to invest in battery electric vehicles or fuel cell electric vehicles, which will support us in this transition to more electrified or more carbon neutral or carbon reducing vehicles as well. So in that context, we believe that this kind of an investment is like planting the seeds for the future of the company, naturally, which I believe is the same kind of thinking that Ford or any other car company and even currently the financial markets also are starting to reward companies that are making this kind of a transition as well. To really solve the emissions issue, scope one, two and both upstream and downstream scope three need to be tackled together. A big challenge, one where funding, industry innovation and collaboration is required at pace. So we've set ourselves a very ambitious goal, a moonshot goal that we called it, which is Polestar Zero, to develop a production car that's climate neutral by 2030. And it really underpins our passion and a focus around sustainability is one of our core brand pillars. And the beauty of this moonshot goal is that we don't know how to do it yet. It's going to involve significant collaboration with experts around the industry in their own fields, everything from tyre production, aluminium production, you know, some of the composites and materials used in the car. Because every part of the production process going into the vehicle is going to have to also achieve the same objective. We have a significant number of industry experts, partners now that have signed up to work with us, that are taking this challenge with us. And that's very exciting in its own right. And I believe that it really shows how passionate we are about the sustainability agenda and that we see it as massively important to improve the climate that we live in through the electrification of electric vehicles. Clearly, there is a cost in developing electric vehicles, everything from the platforms to the the cars themselves and the technology. For Polestar, we have an asset light business model. We're obviously part of a, a large Volvo and Geely corporation, and we work with the experts in the industry, whether that's developing technologies like LiDAR or other technologies in the car. So we're not looking to develop and build everything ourselves or invest in every part of the technology. We're looking for strategic partnerships with the experts in the industry. Another example is being the first car with Google embedded in the car. Um, So actually addressing it through the experts in whatever industry field it takes in order to bring the best cars to market. So that's how we approach it with Impulsor. Praz, your thoughts? When we're looking at, as a legacy automaker, moving to electrified vehicles, the critical issue is the transition. How do we make the transition appropriately in the right speed for the right products in the right market? So we need to ensure that we're doing it in the right space and the right time. But the critical aspect that we have to think about when we look at the challenge and the transition for electrification is actually ensuring that all of the stakeholders that we work with are able to transition along with us. Toyota has a very strong belief that we actually have to work by leaving no one behind, you know, in, in light kind of the SDG principles. So when we're talking about leaving no one behind, who are we talking about? Of course, we have to look at the customers. And for a diverse set of customers, we have to give them a diverse set of options as well which actually meet usage needs, which meet their economic needs. We have to also understand how we manage our suppliers and our supply chain. EVs consume energy about three times more efficiently than traditional ICE vehicles. But batteries are still a major focus for innovation. As battery demand rises in the sector, global capacity is expected to see a five times growth from 800 gigawatts in 2021 to 4,000 gigawatts by 2030. This puts huge demand on key commodities. 
Electric vehicles use six times more minerals in construction than ICE vehicles, and by 2040, demand will see a 30-fold increase. Nickel is a key element in battery manufacturing. Currently, 70% of nickel supply goes to the steel industry, with just 5% used in batteries. But by the end of this decade, batteries are expected to demand 35% of supply. Lithium demand is also a concern, with BCG predicting lithium supply will fall 4% lower than demand in 2030 and 24% lower by 2035. The falling cost and improved performance of lithium-ion batteries have been one of the main drivers for the uptakes of EVs to date. But with demand set to outstrip supply, it could cause a challenge to the industry. This begs the question, what needs to be done with battery innovation so that EVs have a long and sustainable future? Pras. So when we start looking at the overall space for battery electric vehicles, as well as the battery supply chain, there will definitely be some forms of shortage coming in the next few years and probably going on. Because even to get a new lithium mine ready, based on some estimates, it's going to take between 10 to 15 years for such a lithium mine to actually come on board. So even if there's a lot of investment happening right now, the actual resources will only be ready uh, maybe 10, 15 years later. So in that context, we need to understand not just about how to utilize the vehicle appropriately, but we have to look at the maximizing the resource utilization to make emission reduction impact more impactful. So for example, we can reallocate batteries to larger numbers of electrified technologies like hybrid electric vehicles or plug-in hybrid electric vehicles. Just to give you an example, we have the BZ4X battery electric vehicle that is currently sold in Asia. It has around a 71.5 kilowatt hour battery. So we can utilize that battery on one battery electric vehicle, but that same battery can be utilized potentially on four plug-in hybrid vehicles, or it can be utilized on 55 hybrid electric vehicles. So if you look at the average of the CO2 that is reduced, the key question is, the more number of electrified vehicles that we can get out there, we actually reduce the more CO2 as a cumulative amount. So our perspective is always about how do we reduce carbon emission and carbon intensity itself. So we're looking at carbon intensity. We, of course, have to have battery electric vehicles, but to utilize the minerals well, we also need to be able to potentially use this on other forms of electrified vehicles like hybrid electric vehicles or plug-in hybrid vehicles. And one other point I do want to mention is that we also naturally need to start looking at the end of life of a battery as well. Uh, how do we kind of utilize, uh, reuse a lot of the batteries or even recycle some of the batteries. These are technologies and different initiatives that I think many car companies are currently working on, but which we take very seriously in order to make sure that we can try to abate this problem that we're seeing. Adrian. One of the key drivers for progress in the EV industry is the advancement in technology. It goes beyond just improving battery technology itself. It also includes innovations in mining and processing of raw materials. If I may elaborate, on the battery front, solid-state batteries represent the next generation of advancements, offering higher efficiency, increased energy density, improved range, and enhanced safety. These developments are crucial for the growth and success of EVs. Additionally, alternative battery chemistries such as LFP batteries, lithium-ion phosphate, as an alternative to nickel-based chemistry and sodium-ion batteries as an alternative to lithium-based batteries, are reducing the dependence on specific metals or minerals. Now moving further upstream to mining and refining of metals, technological improvements have played a significant role. For instance, 
advancements like the high-pressure acid leaching or HR technology that have revolutionized the recovery of nickel from low-grade ore, processing them into higher-quality battery-grade nickel. This technology faced doubts in the industry a few years ago, but now it has become the de facto choice for such processes. This addresses the concerns about metal shortages and opens up opportunities for countries with substantial reserves, like Indonesia, to build a strong EV battery value chain through the right policies and investments. Indeed, technological progress in various aspects of the EV value chain is crucial for addressing challenges and unlocking the full potential of the EV industry. The rollout of public charging stations is a major focus for the automotive sector and another area of huge funding gaps. $32 to $35 billion is required in 2025, up from $12 billion in 2021. Development of infrastructure technologies is required to increase charging speeds, but investment costs are high. $2,500 for slow chargers and $38,500 for fast charger installation. Alongside red tape barriers like permits and regulations makes infrastructure investments a costly enterprise. With increased EVs, grid overload is also a challenge, but can be solved by smart and flexible charging. Investment is critical from governments and the private sector, whether that's in technology, whether it's in battery production, whether it's in charging infrastructure, or fiscal incentives for consumers are also very important. And all investments across those markets will support the acceleration of the growth for electric vehicles. When it comes to pure play EV players, I mean, I would argue that there's really only two brands right now that are truly global. There's Tesla, who everyone knows around, and Polestar being live in 27 markets. And there are other pure play brands clearly looking to expand globally outside their domestic markets, primarily China or, or the US. But it's going to take them time. Uh, it takes time to establish markets. It takes time to build that awareness. And electric vehicle investments in most markets are really down to charging infrastructure or fiscal incentives. So they don't really differentiate between the pure play EV players or the traditional OEMs bringing out electric vehicles. I think all investment in EV infrastructure and focus is, is critical in every market, in my opinion. So what do the next five years look like in the EV space? Adrian. Well, the overall passenger vehicle market is projected to witness compounded annual growth rate of KUL of about 1.5% from 2020 to 2040. However, within this market, the electrified vehicle subsegment is expected to experience substantial growth with a KUL of approximately 10%, while the internal combustion engine or ICE segment is anticipated to decline at a KUL of about 5% during the same period. The industry value is likely to double in the current decade, with the bulk of it driven by the electrification that is expected to grow about six times from 2021 levels. Over the next five years, uh, we can expect to see a reduction in the cost of capital for investments within the EV industry, particularly in the battery and upstream segments. As the EV market continues to grow, more players are entering these spaces, leading to increased competition among financiers and investors. If I were to just look back three, four years ago, there weren't many banks participating in the EV battery space, but today, just about every bank wants to get into this. Now, a similar trend can be observed in the nickel refinery space, particularly in countries like Indonesia, which boasts significant nickel reserves. Financing for such projects has become more competitive, with numerous banks bidding for involvement. Consequently, the pricing for financing has come down. 
as the EV industry gains momentum and proves its potential for profitability, the cost of financing is likely to come down even further in other areas, such as charging infrastructure and intermediate product manufacturing. More investors and financiers will recognize the scale and profitability of these businesses, leading to increased competition and more favorable financing conditions. Now, this overall trend of decreasing financing costs is expected to contribute to a reduction in the total cost of bringing EVs to market. As the industry becomes more established and financing becomes more accessible, it will further support the growth and adoption of EVs, making them more economically viable and attractive to consumers. Pranz, your thoughts? Let me begin by talking about Asia, because Asia is really the scope which I am responsible for as well. So if we're starting to look at the Asian region and how electrification is going to grow, electrification over the last few years has grown quite exponentially. Depending on the market, it's grown much faster. We see quick growth of electrification in markets like Thailand and markets like India. And we're going to see growth in other markets around Asia, like Indonesia or Philippines or Malaysia or Vietnam going forward as well. So we do see that there will be a growth of electrification. The choice uh, will be that some people will, of course, select battery electric vehicles. There are certain enablers for battery electric vehicles that are still required, whether it's energy supply, whether it's uh, the infrastructure, whether it's, of course, bringing the price point to an area that is affordable for a lot of people. But these enablers will continuously get better, so the mix of electrification will continuously evolve. So in that context, we see that Asia will have a continuous growth of electrified technologies, and by at least 2030, we do believe that totally electrified technologies, again, maybe not utilizing our data, but utilizing data that have been published by research think tanks like Bloomberg and EF or others, we see that it could reach up to 30% of the total market. And this 30% will still be a mixture of different electrified technologies. BEVs will probably be around 10, 15% of that market, and the remaining maybe 15, 20% will be hybrid electric vehicles as well. So we do see that there will be a growth of electrified vehicles till the end of the decade. And then beyond that, we think that there will be a further growth, of course, uh, of electrified technology, especially as costs and infrastructure start getting put in place. So we do believe that we always look at the next five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, and we do believe that each period will have a different mix of electrification. We will have a or maybe hybrid electric mix for the next, uh, maybe till the end of the decade. We do believe that battery electric may then take over and have much more of the market for the following 5-10 years. But we do not know how technology evolves as well. Very frankly, when we talk about technology, sometimes we already assume that the discussion uh, is kind of focused on a single technology, whether battery electric vehicles is going to be the silver bullet to solve carbon, climate change, and these kind of issues. But frankly, there are technologies that probably are in development right now that could be the right solution, which we still are not yet fully uh, sure of. So we do see that certain technologies are coming into place that, you know, synthetic fuels, hydrogen-related uh, engines, these kind of solutions may also become part of the overall portfolio of offerings that can reduce carbon. So I do believe that we will see a continuous mix of this portfolio of different technologies that will all try to reduce uh, carbon. The critical element for us is we need to start selling as much as possible right now so that carbon emissions are abated immediately. And finally, Mike. The next five years for electric vehicles, I think, will be incredibly exciting. I think that we'll see even more significant and accelerated growth than we've seen in the last few years. I think that some of the 
resistance or questions or concerns people had about electric vehicles a few years ago. In a large part, they've disappeared now. People used to talk about range anxiety and some of those concerns. A lot of that has gone now. People are seeing electric vehicles as a core part of the life of the mobility moving forward. So the growth will come. I'm sure the investment will help drive that. Um, and we will start to see a whole industry talking a lot more about electrification than ever before, in my opinion. What I would like to see is is that continued focus and investment and belief in electric vehicles, not just as the future of mobility, but also before all the climate benefits. In some markets, I would like to see perhaps even more aggressive push towards electric vehicles. And that could include, for example, even scrappage programs that have been used in the past for older petrol and diesel cars to take some of those polluting vehicles off the road and encourage people to to move into electric vehicles. And of course, making it affordable for consumers. There are many markets that have fiscal incentives and policies in place, whether that's avoidance of congestion charges or parking areas or preferential charging opportunities. Those kind of activities that make it easier for consumers to take that leap and move into an electric vehicle. I think every government and every market should look at that and try and put in place all of those tools and that that kind of comfort zone to help people make that transition to electric vehicles. The EV market is expected to be worth $824 billion by 2030, a huge increase on the $163 billion market value in 2020. The successful development in EVs to where we are today can be attributed to the pure EV manufacturers disrupting the market. EV car maker BYD's nearly $100 billion market cap rivals the combined value of Ford and GM, showing that betting on EVs is paying off. But every EV player from small to big, like Polestar, is playing their part in electrifying the ICE market. So are the legacy automakers, like Toyota, who are shifting their business models to meet the EV future. To get 138 million EV units sold every year to meet climate goals, numerous junctions need to meet on the journey to zero emissions road transport. But with no further policy support from today, EV sales will reach 80 million by 2050, still shy of the 138 million required and leaving 400 million ICE vehicles on the road. As we've learned today, it is a moonshot moment. We're in a race against time. Time to save the planet. So we need to shift gears, pick up the pace of change, have supportive government policies, invest in technologies, infrastructure, and work collaboratively across the whole EV value chain. Get that right, and the industry and consumers can drive real change to help hit climate goals.